Right about now, you are listening to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, a show where we discuss living as a leader worth following, leading others to do the same, and in doing so, leaving a legacy for future generations. My name is Jimmy Gonzalez Jr., a learning and development professional and leadership coach, sitting down with my co-host, Anthony Devon Watts Jr., an expert contact center leader that has effectively led and developed dynamic teams with high motivation. Together, we have over 30 years experience in the corporate game. Join us as we discuss our growth as leaders, share the lessons we've learned, and interview others to see how their leadership style was shaped as they were mentored by adversity. Hello there, good people. Uh, this is Jimmy Gonzalez Jr., your co-host of the Legacy in Leadership podcast, and we are on episode number 10. And as always, I am joined by Anthony Devon Watch Jr., my co-host. What's going on, Legacy Leaders? <laughs> Hashtag Legacy Leaders. Absolutely. Uh, so we, man, we've been, you know, just kind of somewhat working up to this point and in excitement. Um, you know, we having some conversations about other podcasts that are like, you know, hundreds of episodes in. Uh, and we're on episode 10, uh, episode 10. Um, but this is, you know, it's a, it's a milestone, I would say, uh, as we, you know, yeah. kind of take a minute to look back over the last couple of months, uh, and continue to look forward into the future. Uh, so if you are, you know, a first time listener, first time viewer, uh, we thank you. Just continue to, to subscribe if you haven't done so already, uh, to our, our podcasts and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Um, that way you're always getting, not just to uh, subscribe, but also make sure to click on that bell. Uh, that way you're always alerted, you know, when we have new uh, hotness dropping for you, as we like to say. <laughs> yes, Again, coming at you from the, the Legacy and Leadership podcast. So um, how's it going with you, man? I know it's been uh, been one of those weeks for sure. Um but uh, I think we've, you know, we always have our, our kind of pre-production conversations uh, and just trying to get ourselves, um, you know, really in a just in a better mindset, man, to to do what we need to do and to have this conversation and continue to, to hopefully add value to our listeners and to our viewers out there. Yeah, 100 percent, man. Like, um, I think, you know, in our last NBA episode with uh, Judge Laurent, we kind of talked about the importance of you know, kind of your, your network, your friendship circle, your support circle that you have. And um, especially this week, man, I'm just exceptionally thankful uh, for the support circle that I have. Um, you know, this definitely has been a bit of a trying week, um, just given all the things that are currently going on out there, um, you know, just, you know, in, 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 the, in the country um, and, um, you know, just the civil unrest. And it just pains my heart um, really to just kind of, you know, continue to see these things um, continue to come up. And um, I can, you know, in the interest of just kind of full transparency, right, which is something that we we um, champion as leaders, as critical as leaders in vulnerability. Um, I, you know, I wasn't even really feeling like I didn't have the energy to pod today, you know what I mean? Just so like kind of where my soul is at and where my heart is at. Um, but I was thankful that, you know, we had the opportunity to just kind of link up and, you know, through our little pre-production to get our mind right and just kind of talk through um, not only the things that we're, you know, we're feeling based off of, you know, what we're seeing out there in the news and in the world and um, the social injustice, the racial injustice, and um, but also to talk about, you know, what's going on in our lives, our personal lives and with our family. And um, those things are always rejuvenating, you know what I mean? So. Um, I am in much better spirits than I was uh, an hour and a half ago <laughs> uh, before we uh, hit the record button and really started getting into this episode. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, tackling the, the kind of the topics that we have coming up today. But, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to our audience, to anybody that's listening as leaders. Um, I just I really encourage you to. Uh, not only lean on your support system in these times, you know, when we're dealing with, again, just the challenges of a global pandemic and 
um, you know, people, you know, working, you know, at home and the lack of internet and interaction and connectedness. And then you have the social justice issues that are going on as well. Um, to please not only lean on your your friend and your your friends and your support systems, um, but also to check up on the well-being of, of those that you that you've been entrusted to steward, um, because this would be trying for anybody from a mental health perspective. Um, you know the things that we're seeing, the things that we're dealing with are not normal. We shouldn't normalize them. We shouldn't just accept them as is a status quo. Um, the images of uh, you know violence and um, you know, just uh, everything that we're seeing, those things are not normal. Um, and so we shouldn't accept them as such. And you should, you know, regardless of how strong um, somebody may appear, or how in good spirits they may appear, I still, you know, challenge you to make sure that you're checking up on them and uh, asking them how they're really doing. Because um, I think you'll be surprised how many people are in need of, you know, just uh, a support system and an opportunity to, to be vulnerable and, and vent. So. No. Uh, 100%, man. Um, you know, it, yeah, just heavy heart, heavy spirit, heavy time. Uh, but I will, you know, echo what you just said. Because even going back to last week, you know, we, we recorded uh, the podcast episode and um, still spoke for like another two hours after that. Um, and a lot of it, again, was transparency and sharing. Uh, and you being there for me, man, and, you know, and, and helping me through some things and just, you know, encouraging me. Um, even this past weekend, another very close friend of mine, uh, Gary, um, you know, went and spent an afternoon with him and my man uh, grilled up some salmon and we had lunch and just broke bread and like talked for like four hours. You know what I mean? And um, we just, you know, everybody, everybody. <clears throat> But I'm speaking to men specifically. We need that. It's it's very easy for us to to get caught up in you know machismo and and, and just feeling you know or acting again like you know we got it and, and sometimes we don't and it's okay to say that and uh, again thankful for for my brother like you and my brother Gary and just what you fellas mean to me and being able to to have that support system and to be a support. For somebody else when they're going through trying times as well uh, again none of this is is normal that we're going through um, we shouldn't act like it we <clears throat> and we shouldn't expect people to have um, you know kind of normal reactions right and, and again right. just mentally there's just I think a lot that we're all going through man and again it's just important for us to continue to support each other uh, as people regardless uh, but again even as men uh, I think it's just it's a little bit more critical just because the episode's not about this, or we can talk about this as well uh, another time. But just um, just how society, man, just you know how we've been raised and, and and kind of what has been put on men, and it's just important for us to recognize that we can be vulnerable. We can still be what we need to be as fathers and as husbands and as leaders in the community, looking to to build and leave a legacy. And still be transparent and still be vulnerable with one another and support each other through um, the tough times that we're going through. Iron sharpens iron, man. And we definitely yep. need to uh, to remember that and to stick to that um, in so many different ways in our lives. So definitely appreciate that uh, for sure. Well said, well said, man. Well said. Um, so, you know, last week, man, as we were, um, you know, wrapping up the, the episode, we were talking about. Uh, what it means to to build a team that has high affinity and we were breaking down the characteristics for uh, our listeners and our viewers about the attributes of that and what a team with high affinity looks like and then what a team with low affinity looks like and in all of those things and when you're building a team with high affinity it's about high performance and, and yep. building this high performing team which is good. I think if you're a leader and you have a team in whatever space, you want to have a high performing team that has speed of execution, that trust each other and that each individual on that team has confidence in each other. They're, they're going to get the job done to the best of their abilities, be transparent, be vulnerable with one another uh, and continue to move forward. Um, but that's 
kind of, you know, as you're as you already have a team and, and you're maybe even somewhat established, I think really, you know, we wanted to to rewind just a little bit. Um, and you had talked about this uh, again. I, I don't remember if it was on the podcast itself or was like in our pre-conversations, uh, but you were just talking about in your current situation, uh, some of the activities that you're taking the team through in order to one for them as individuals to learn more about themselves to learn more about each other as a team and for you as a leader to learn more about the components and the makeup of your team. Uh, so I wanted us to kind of take a step back and dive into that and really again discuss, you know, what are some things as a leader that you can do to do just that, to assess the strengths of your team, to assess the characteristics, to assess the communication style of your teammates. That way everybody has a better understanding um, of one another, how to communicate each other's strengths so you can play off of each other's strengths and how you use uh, some of these activities and assessments to, again, build uh, that team before you even start looking to, to build a high affinity team, but you're just really trying to establish this team kind of from the beginning. How does that sound? Uh, absolutely. No, absolutely. No, I, I think the, um, that's appropriate, man, for us to kind of take a step back and just kind of talk through those things. And I can share a little bit about what I've been you know, kind of taking my current team through. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we can kind of break those concepts down just a little bit more. But um, I think, you know, it's funny what really kind of has been driving me to really walk the team through some of these activities is I, I think about myself and I think about my own journey um, as a leader and um, what has kind of been my my secret sauce or uh, secret power. Right. You know, we you know, last one we talked about the affinity gauntlet and, you know, I've, again, continued to, to binge watch Marvel movies. So I use a lot of superhero analogies. Y'all just going to have to deal with this. What's on my mind? Literally, uh, my oldest just came in here because uh, the, the new season of Fortnite came out. And he's like, oh, they got all the Marvel characters in here now, Dad. Like, uh, can you uh, can you buy me the new, <laughs> the new Battle Pass uh, first and foremost? That's the only reason he came in here to <laughs> – to get access to the debit card. Um, but then he was also showing me like Iron Man and Thor and all that stuff. So, um, but if I think about kind of my secret power, it really is the, you know, introspection, you know, as a leader, right? Um, being able to stop and, and reflect and take stock of my strengths, my opportunities, my shortcomings, things that I need to learn, areas that I can improve in. Like I'm constantly reevaluating the quality of the interaction that I just had with um, anybody in my sphere, right? Whether it's a one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's a developmental discussion, whether it's, uh, you know, we're meeting about an initiative or a project or I'm, you know, you know giving a presentation to, you know, um, senior directors and VPs. And, you know, I'm just, I'm constantly taking stock after those interactions and reflecting and saying, okay, what went well? What could have went differently? What can I share up? How can I improve? And so I think, for a lot of leaders, unfortunately, when we're kind of thrust into the mantle of you're in charge, um, we're expected to kind of take the reins and start driving results um, as quickly as possible, sometimes not even getting formalized training on how to lead, but just expected that, hey, you're going to kind of figure this thing out as you go. Mm -hmm. And so because we're thrust into that environment where we have to start producing immediately, very rarely do we have time to kind of stop and reflect and learn more about ourselves as an individual and as a leader, especially when you consider that, uh, like I take myself, for example, I stepped into leadership at the age of 19. Um, you know, I couldn't legally drink. Um, you know, I, I, I was nowhere near the man or person from a personality, from a maturity, from an experience perspective, from just a life perspective um, that I would be at 21, 25, 27, 30, 32, right? In all of those different milestones, right? Or as the years have gone, I've grown, I've changed. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not constantly reflecting um, and taking stock of how I've grown, areas that I've grown, what are my values and reassessing and realigning and shoring myself up as a leader from that perspective, um, then, uh, you know, I, I can be totally off base or totally off the mark in terms of, you know, what I'm producing or what I'm providing as a leader, right? I could still have some of those 19 year old tendencies or thinking that I still have some of those 19 year old tendencies uh, when at 32, <laughs> right? It, it's, I'm totally different, right? I'm totally different. And so 
Um, I think these things that we're talking about, that we're going to be talking about, are good tools to facilitate a discussion around introspection um, as a leader. So that the thing that you can master the be- the most is yourself, right? To force you to master yourself the most, mm-hmm. right? And so um, some of the things that I've been taking the group through is um, like DISC, right? Um, I've, I've had uh, everybody on my team take DISC. Um, and we had some really good discussions around that. A lot of them got introduced to that concept for the very first time, even though some of them have been leading or in a leadership role for you know 15 plus years. Mm-hmm. Right, this is the first time that they're hearing something about that. Um, I also had them go through Myers Briggs, um, and we kind of broke down those things and what does that mean from a personality perspective and kind of your makeup. Um, and then we also went through Strength Finder, um, and Strength Finder was also extremely valuable um, to take the team through. Um, again, so that they can learn a little bit more about the attributes that they do well, that I think we're naturally geared towards um, when we do reflect or are introspective, we're geared to find the things that, like, we're not doing a good job at. You know, we're just kind of wired that way. Those things pop out to us. You know, we're trained to find the opportunity. Um, but very suddenly, um, are we good at taking stock of what our strengths are? And then being able to play to those strengths or le- leverage those strengths. And so Strength Finder is helpful to facilitate that discussion and kind of also help the leaders understand that the things that you do are not, um, they're not mistakes. They don't just happen just because. They're not coincidence. Mm-hmm. There are things about your makeup as an individual, your experiences as an individual, things that you value as a leader that causes you to prioritize and have a talent in this area. And so... We owe it to you to expose that talent and then talk about how do we effectively leverage it. Yeah. As you as you say that, you know, so Strength Finders um, is one of the assessments that I've been going through again myself and then with the team at the job as well. And we'll actually put a a link uh, for our folks, our legacy leaders uh, in the notes as well. But this is the book. I know it's probably going to be backwards if you're looking at it, but. Uh, Strength Finders 2.0 from Gallup. And I appreciate what you said because I've been thinking about that myself as I've gone through it and taken the assessment again. Um, when I first did this, I was a team manager. So we're talking about probably 16 years ago, the first time that I, I took the assessment. Um, yeah, so taking it again now, there there are some changes. So I haven't done it yet, but what you just said, I've been wanting to go back and say, okay, so what, how has my life changed? How have I developed, you know, as a leader? And, you know, why is that? That, uh, you know, obviously as time, as your experiences change, um, those things lead into that. Uh, but it is a good, just a good learning experience. Again, like you said, to really take a, a step back and learn from yourself uh, and how you've grown and, and what your strengths are. So I'll tell you, uh, belief did not change. That is my my number one strength. Uh, And futuristic, relater, self-assurance, and arranger uh, are my top five strengths um, now. What I I will say is um, what I like about this, man, again, you know, this is something that that has been a part of my thinking and... Uh, development of myself and development of others over the years. So the first time that this really was just magnified, because it is about knowing your strengths, but it's also about knowing the strengths of your people. And like you said, how do you help them leverage their strengths? And and the whole premise um, about those strength finders is, you know, when you think about it, the things that you're really good at, if you help somebody to do them more, and even as an individual, if you do those things more, you're going to be happier about yourself and happier about your production. Um, from a, a production-based environment, when people are doing things that they're good at, you're going to be able to get a lot faster and a lot quicker results from them as opposed to focusing on their areas of opportunity. Right. You know, as a manager, as a leader, we're, we, we've kind of raised, oh, I, I, folk, what, what, what are they not doing well and how do I help them improve on the areas of opportunity or the weaknesses? Right. But AOPs. Um, 
But research has shown if you focus on the things that they're doing well, they're going to be happier. Um, morale is going to be better and you're going to get quicker and higher production in a faster amount of time than if you just kept focusing on, again, people's areas of opportunity. So as I was reading this book and challenging myself as as a manager, I had a young lady on my sales team and her she wasn't good at closing sales. So her close rate was low, it wasn't meeting uh, goal, but her average ticket, on the other hand, was above goal. So she couldn't get a lot of people to say yes, but when she did, she was able to build that average ticket. So I was like, you know what? Again, I'm learning this stuff. I'm like, so how do I you know, start to apply this? So in my coaching sessions, it's not that you ignore the areas of opportunity, you talk about it, but the funny thing is a lot of the things that we we struggle with or again are an area of opportunity like that's just us that's how we are so changing those things is going to be pretty difficult to do and again may take a long time to change some of those things that are just kind of innate in us um, so instead of just focusing on those things uh, again talking about it but not focusing on them like all right well you're really good at this so how can we help you even improve more on your ability to build your average ticket uh, and for that month, that's exactly what we did. And, you know, we went through different activities and role playing and everything that we would do in, in that environment to help her improve. And the the results were amazing. You know, just again, seeing seeing her numbers rise, seeing how happy she was. And when you think about it as a leader, even as an individual, if somebody's always talking to you about the things that you don't do well, it just it doesn't feel good and it doesn't again it doesn't create a, a good sense of, of morale and a healthy environment so when you're focusing on the things that people do well it brings excitement to them it brings joy to them and again you're able to get uh, a higher level of production much faster than if you're always just focusing on the things that they cannot uh, do well uh, in their areas of opportunity so that really just reading about it learning about it and then applying it through coaching and seeing the results from that again like i was sold uh, and it's just been something that i've been able to continue to, to help other people with and just talk about uh, and be reminded of myself so it's cool that you know you've been taking your team through that i'm doing the same thing with the with the leaders uh with at the the workplace as well and, and just kind of revisiting you know that whole concept yeah actually i like the fact that you brought up the um the tangible impact that it has from a morale or an employee engagement perspective um, because you're right if every time I have a conversation with you is centered around the things that I'm not doing well then I'm going to want to avoid having conversations with you mm -hmm. um, and we know just how critically important it is from a relationship perspective or rapport perspective to exist in order to cultivate a high-performing team and to kind of move the needle on things um, and so you know, being able to fo focus or prioritize their strengths and kind of speak more to people's strengths and put them in positions to leverage their strength as much as possible in the work that they do um, not only has a tangible impact on the morale, their engagement, um, you know, the rapport that they have with you, um, and just the, the sense of value that they bring to the table. But I think what you'll also find is that it also feeds the you know the confidence mm -hmm. the confidence of the individual in terms of their, their their contributions and their performance and that confidence actually is a critical ingredient to get people to start stretching themselves outside of their comfort zone and wanting to take on and addressing the things that are opportunities right because correct it's not that i'm not successful period it's not that it's that i am successful i have success and i can also master this other skill set and how much more successful can i be because of that um and so um, I really appreciate the fact that you're calling that out um, because, yeah, it, it is a little, I want to say counterintuitive um, per se, but it's counter to usually um, what we get trained on as leaders, especially entry-level entry leaders, is uh, hey, you got to find out what's not working and then you got to go and fix that. And then you got to focus on the thing that's not working until it's fixed. And then once it's working, we may not even really celebrate that. We got to go find the other thing that's not working, right? Um, and so... That can be that can be helpful from a process improvement um, perspective, a systems perspective, right? Um, hey, understanding the systems and what's broken in the system so that we can fix the issue in the system and create more efficiency. Um, but from a people perspective, uh, you actually, you know, 
do more to raise the performance. You're more effective at raising the performance by identifying the strengths and then playing to the strengths of the team. So to your point, that's why it's important to take the team through this, you know, um, because then you start to get uh, kind of a stock of where people stand. And um, it's funny because I was sharing with my group yesterday. Was it yesterday? Today's Thursday, right? Yeah. So um, I was actually sharing with my group yesterday um, in our staff meeting. Um, I was telling them about, you know, just kind of a little bit about my upbringing. Um, we were talking about development, some development plans that we have for our entry-level leaders. And, and I was telling them a little bit about my upbringing and how, you know, the, the most valuable um, lesson that I got around uh, development and developing and kind of grooming and growing, um, helping uh, aid growth, actually came from my great-grandmother who um, spent all of her damn time in her garden. Um, like all her time in her garden, uh, my granny, um, and she would be out there, and she'd be, you know, she has, you know, flowers on her flower bed, and she would, you know, grow um, greens and, you know, cabbage and um, all this different stuff. She had a tangerine tree, and I would just see her out there, kind of working, and you know, running around, you know, trying to stay out of her way as much as possible, because uh, you know, if we ran through her garden, she would have a fit. <laughs> she would have a fit. Um, but I'm just look, looking at her and seeing like you know, as a gardener, what she prioritizes. And I remember her saying that, you know, the, the real key, like people kind of spend a lot of time focusing on what they're, plant, they're planting and anticipating reaping the fruit, um, but not putting a lot of time in tilling the soil, mm. right? And so I think when we're talking about like developing, you know, developing your team or developing a high performing team, and you're talking about identifying these strengths, identifying their, their discs, identifying their Myers-Briggs, it's because you're trying to get a, a stock of the soil. You're trying to understand what is the makeup of the soil because you can be the one of the best gardeners in the world. You can have the greenest of thumbs, but if the stock of the soil is not appropriate for what you're planting, right, then it doesn't matter how much you water it. It doesn't matter how much you try and will it. It doesn't matter how much light you put on it. It's never going to grow. It's never going to bloom. It's never going to blossom, mm. right? And so... Um, I, I, that's part of the reason why I, I fixate so much, not just on being introspective myself as a leader, but trying to really take the time to drown out the noise a little bit at times with my team and focus on getting a stock of the soil so that I can realize, okay, well, what, what can I plant that's going to actually grow? Mm. Um, so, um, that's why I'm, uh, again, I'm, I'm excited to just kind of go through some of these things because I think for a lot of leaders, it'll be value added. Um, a, a good a good checkpoint to say, well, you know what, I have had new individuals come to my team or things have been moving pretty quickly. The last time I did any type of assessment around this stuff with, you know, this squad was five, six years ago. And even if you're working with the same people, right, um, the same core group of people, who they are and their experiences have changed dramatically over that time frame. Hell, it's changed dramatically over these past six or seven months. Yeah. Right. And so it'll be important to kind of take stock of those things to be able to reassess and just kind of understand the soil that you're working with before you continue to plant seeds. Bars. I love it. <laughs> understand yeah. the soil that you're working with. Uh, no, I love, yeah, I just love that that mental picture um, that you provided as you're talking and just listening to you tell that that story and, and how you piece that together. Um, one thing that, uh, I just I do want to add is with with the strength finders as well is helping somebody like I've always told people man um, and I, I don't know I might have said this to you at some point like I want to help you go from good to great and then from yes, great to outstanding yes, right that's as a coach that's what you want to help your people do so with strength finders and, and focusing on people's strengths the cool thing about that process as you're helping them go from good to great from great to outstanding is that as those strengths begin to get even stronger and shine they become so bright that it it outshines or outweighs some of those areas of opportunity and again it's not that you completely forget about them you still try to work on these things uh, but I want I want your strengths to shine so much that it covers down some of the other things that you might not be so good at for now um, because you're outstanding in these other areas and these other aspects of of what you bring to the table and, and the skill set and the knowledge and just who you are, like the tools that you have in your toolbox are just phenomenal in those areas. Uh, so if you're liking something over here, it's cool because we're getting so much value from this stuff over here. Yeah, no, I, I 
I like that quite a bit. And actually, it's funny because I was I was thinking back to another thing I was just kind of sharing with the squad. You know, especially now more than ever, at, you know, as leaders um, and all the things that we're dealing with, all the challenges. Mm. And it, honestly, whether it's this year, last year, five years ago, when you're kind of in and in leadership, you always find yourself in this situation where time is finite. Like. We're always working on the new initiative. We're always working on something big. We're always working on something transformational. And so time is finite, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, knowing that, knowing that, look, whatever I decide to invest my time in as a leader, whatever I decide to invest my time in, in improving or working on, I am going to get uh, 10%, let's just call it like a 10% improvement in that area, right? If you knew that and you really understand that, how does that change where you decide to make your investment and your time and your limited resource? Like, I know, was it last episode? Was it last episode or maybe the episode before that? You know, we bought up the Patriots. Um, and then you reminded <laughs> us of the Giants. No, that was last episode, yes. When we're talking about high-power yeah. teams. And sure. that, that okay, high-power yeah, yeah. team getting stopped by the New York football New York Giants. Uh, again. <laughs> it, it's, but this analogy is worth just hearing you okay. talk about the Giants. Uh, but, you know, if you think about, you know, when when the Patriots drafted uh, Brady and they threw Brady into the game, all right, if it would be very easy for Belichick or anybody to say, well, look, man, you, you run you run a 4-9. We got to get, get your 40 time down. We got to get you faster, right? We got to – Tom, how do we get you down to 4-7, 4-6, 4-5? That way you're, you're a run threat on top of your arm, right? Um if they spent all their time focusing on improving in just the, the areas that Tom Brady was not strong in, what would that mean for the time lost or the time spent, um, not spent in focusing on the areas where he is strong mm-hmm. in terms of his pocket awareness, his ability to read, make smart decisions, his accuracy, and refining those skills to a different level to be where it became Hall of Fame status, mm-hmm. right? I think sometimes, again, as a coach, understanding the strengths and not just trying to um, – merely address the opportunities that exist but really taking stock of the soil understanding the strengths and then focusing intensely on those strengths can be the difference maker between um you know good and great or great and outstanding right tom brady did not i promise you this he has not spent a single off season since he's been drafted trying to work on his 40 time he has not done anything from a, from a speed training. He's not linking up with Usain Bolt. He's not, <laughs> you know, working on his track stands. Nah. But what he did, what he did do is he said, "Well, look, if that's not a strength for me, but what is a strength is my understanding of the game. You know, um, how how I make decisions, and if I can refine that skill, where I can continue to get better at how quickly I make decisions, better at how accurate I am, mm-hmm. better at ball placement, better at pre snap." Right. Um, I know we're getting into like some football tech, uh, terminology for some of the folks. Hopefully you're staying with us. Um, if not, I promise you I'm almost done with this analogy. Right. But it's the time that he invested in refining his strengths that allowed those strengths to continue to outshine mm-hmm. the fact that Tom Brady runs a four nine. But we can we still consider him arguably the greatest quarterback of all time to have ever played the game. Yeah. Right. And so. You could very well as a leader be spending so much time focusing on what is not a strength for your team and miss out on developing a Hall of Fame leader by addressing their skill sets um, just because you decide to prioritize the wrong things. And, again, I think it's important. We're not saying neglect the opportunities by any stretch of the imagination. You definitely don't want to do that, um, right? But when you talk about what you – prioritize especially early on in somebody's development Mm -hmm. let's start let's create some momentum let's start getting some early wins by playing to people's strengths and putting them in positions to to succeed so that they can gain the necessary confidence to then have an appetite to also tackle aggressively uh, some of those opportunities while they continue to thrive and shine in their strengths yeah yeah so with that right um I think for for our legacy leaders out there, I think we've made that point. Focusing on your strengths, <laughs> allowing that to outshine areas of opportunity. But you you, you mentioned two things that I, I want us to also continue to get into um, and, and break that down a little bit for our, our listeners. So they have an, an understanding of, you mentioned Myers-Briggs, and then you mentioned DISC. Yes. If I've never heard that before. 
let's let's yeah. and, and I, you know obviously I, I know a little bit about that stuff so let's talk about myers briggs and then how that kind of feeds into to disc absolutely so myers briggs is for those who do not know it's a personality assessment mm-hmm. test um and the it essentially is uh, assessing you on uh four different categories or four different criteria that make up your personality and then that information um, dictates kind of a, pro, a personality profile and what are some of the strengths of that profile, weaknesses of those profiles, how to um, leverage your profile effectively. So um, it uh, evaluates esen- essentially you on um, if you're introverted or extroverted, um, if you are intuitive or feeling, um, if you're thinking or um, judging um, uh, as well. And so it uses a combination of those in order to determine what your personality makeup is, right? Um, and those things can be really telling, especially when you start to uh, really dive into the specifics of them. Because unlike DISC, your Myers-Briggs, your personality profile really doesn't change. That is a true reflection of like who you are in your makeup as mm-hmm. an individual. A sum of your life experiences and personality quirks and... Um, you know, even a little bit of genetics. I know before we hopped on here, I was talking about uh, seeing some attributes uh, in my youngest Linux as like, well, you ain't get that from me. You ain't get that from your mama, right? Um, did you, like, how do you have some of like my dad's attributes in you, yeah. right? And just kind of seeing that, that genet- uh, how genetics plays a, a factor in that as well. Um, you know, you can capture that in your Myers-Briggs. Um, and so that's really important when you're starting to look at the dynamic and the makeup of your team because then you can start to tailor um, some of your, the ways that you communicate, some of the ways that you engage, some of the ways that you break stuff down or develop and teach to those personality quirks um, so that, again, you have maximum engagement, uh, maximum buy-in, you have um, high morale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, for example, just a, like a quick one, right, if I'm dealing, if I have a leader who is um, a highly introverted type individual, um, it would it would behoove me, right, to make sure that from a, an engagement perspective or communication perspective that I am not putting them in a position that doesn't align with their personality, their comfort zone, and then it's forcing them to be extroverted. I'm not going to take that individual who's an introverted per, uh, type personality, uh, drop them in some place brand new, and say, "Hey, I need you to start building relationships with all these individuals in here and close the next million dollar deal for us." Yeah, right. That's probably not a good um, strategic use of, uh, of, of my resource, right, of, of, um, of my leader. Um, and so Myers-Briggs um, is pretty static. Now, DISC, on the other hand, um, I think is important for people to, to uh, understand, and I know um, you've taught this plenty, mm-hmm. um, so you'll be able to elaborate um, for sure, but uh, DISC is not a personality assessment. Um, and I think sometimes that gets conflated a little bit, like people think that DISC is your personality. Um, and that's the furthest thing from the truth, especially because, like I mentioned with Myers-Briggs and your personality assessment, your personality does not change. Your DISC profile, however, can change based off of the role, based off of the dynamic of the group that you're working in, all of those, based off of stressors, mm-hmm. right? So when you actually do the assessment, you know, one of the things that is uh, really interesting to see is you get a baseline of what your, your DISC profile is when you're not stressed, and then you get a baseline of what your disc profile is when you are stressed, when you're yes. under the gun, when you're asked to you know, make decisions very quickly. And to see how that changes just off of that variable of the stress um, is really telling, right? Um, and helpful, um, again, not just for you, but again, if you're assessing your broader team, it's helpful because then you start to realize, okay, when we're, um, when we're kind of under, under pressure, Right. How do how will my team respond? Right. If we have really a really tight deadline and we got to get this turnaround um, within two days, how are they going to respond? Is a person who's normally high conscientious and very measured and thoughtful. Do they now because their stress over index into being a very uh, dominant personality. Right. And now they're not really asking questions. They're like, look, I just got to take action. Or um, do they. Um, actually become more of a supporting uh, type um, uh, supporting type disc profile, mm-hmm. right? Or now they're a little bit more resistant to the change because they're feeling overwhelmed, right? And so you just got to be able to take stock of those things. And so um, I can tell you for me personally, it's been awesome to see the evolution of my, my own disc profile as I've changed 
roles and I've grown because when I first started in leadership, I was a high I, a high influencer. Um, you know, like I over-indexed in the I profile. Um, so my instinct was to um, move fast, not really ask a lot of questions, and then to make sure that the team felt good about the change, right? Like we were doing this all together, right? So I was rallying the troops and making sure everybody felt good about the change. And maybe I don't have all the details, but I don't really need all the details because, you know, uh, what they said, they said that if we do this, then we're going to win. And so I just want to make sure that we do it and we're going to all do it together, right? Um, I'm obviously being a little flippant about it, but, you know, that's essentially, you know, a, a true representation of where I was as a leader very early on. Mm -hmm. And then as um, I had the opportunity to take on different roles and I moved into learning and development, I got the opportunity to work with you. Then I started to actually become more of an a, a ID. Right. Um, and again, I think that just comes from the fact that um, you're working with new hires. You're responsible for making sure that, um, you know, they have certain, uh, you know, uh, certain uh, behaviors and disciplines kind of buttoned up. And so for me, it wasn't just about making sure you feel good about it, but it was also about making sure that you're doing it right mm -hmm. and that we're being successful. Right. Um, and then when I then moved into um, the uh, operations manager role, where it was more workforce and process improvement, project management oriented, then I actually became a CD because my role required me to ask a bunch of questions when we were developing these processes and these new initiatives in order to make sure that I understood them and understood how they worked within the ecosystem of the business and then to communicate them effectively, right? And so in the span of maybe about three, three to four years, I went from essentially the cheerleader, <laughs> cheerleader, right, to the, um, as a high I, to, um, to kind of the, the bookworm as a CD, like, hold on, oh, how did you get there? Can you show me, can I see the data that led us to this decision in the first place? And how did they measure, like, how did they actually do the measurement there on the initial baseline data to then say that we need to do this initiative? Like, it, I just changed over time. And so it was really cool to just kind of see that evolution of my disc profile. And um, I would say as a leader, having that baseline for your team is helpful because then you start to understand based off their disc profile, how to most effectively communicate with them when you are disseminating change, uh, when you're introducing them to change, when you're trying to execute on something. Um, because each profile rep definitely represents value in mm -hmm. its own unique way. And um, you have to make sure that you're communicating in a way that aligns with that profile to make it easy for them to then take, take the information and execute at a high level. If you have somebody who's high conscientious and you're not giving them the details and you're just telling them, hey, go do this, and this is why we're gonna do it, and you don't give them an opportunity to understand the why and the backstory, that individual is not gonna execute for you because they don't have what they need in order to feel confident about the change and to go be a champion for that change. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's just you know uh, um, an example. Um, but I'm pretty sure, like I said, in your experience, man, having broken this down and having to teach this to plenty of people, um, you know, there's, um, you know, there's a, a, a unique perspective that you have just around the value of DISC and then also Myers-Briggs as it relates to, um, you know, understanding your team's makeup. Yeah, the, the one that I've definitely invested the most time in learning and, and teaching is DISC, um, which really is, is a derivative of Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs is about 200 or 250 questions uh, usually, you know, you can find DISC and we'll provide some resources for our folks out there as well. Um, so you can find these these uh, assessments and, and take them yourself. Um, but the DISC is usually around 50 questions. Uh, so it's a little bit quicker to go through. Depending on where you find it or where you take it, they might be, you know, they might use different words. Uh, but you mentioned a, a few of them. So D stands for for dominant. I is an influencer. S is steadfast, and then C is conscientious. Uh, so when you see it, it'll be in a circle, and you have these quadrants. The D and the I are on the top, and then the S and the C are on the bottom. You may think, and even sometimes the words that are, are described, and, and you talked about this uh, when you're talking about your initial assessment, I and D tend to be fast and uh S's and C's tend to be, well, you can say slow, but it's not really slow. Again, it's it's more steadfast and more conscientious of the decisions that they're making, right? So for me, 
when I first took the the disc assessment, I was a high D. So when you were talking about you were kind of off the charts <laughs> I, I was kind of off the charts D. Um, and again, there's there's a lot of a lot of good things about that is, you know, being able to make decisions fast. When you think about a a D personality and a C personality what you were talking about, the C is going to need a lot of details and they're very curious and, and want to know. It's not that as a D type personality uh, that I don't want to know, like I just don't need all the details. Just <laughs> give me a high level overview of what's going on. That's really all I need and I'm able to move forward. So the first time that this was was brought to light to me on kind of how much of a D I was at the time. So the first time that, that we really got into this, uh, we were doing an activity. So we were learning about DISC, but we were also doing this activity um, to, to kind of get you know the, the learning session started. And um, for all of our folks out there, this is definitely uh, a good activity that you can do with, uh, with your team as well. So we had a panel of about three or four people that were observing. We had a group of individuals, and in this one, I was one of the people that had a a name on my back. So it was it was a name of a character, uh, and then so half of the group had some type of name on their back, and then the other half of the group were just basically individuals that we can go around and, and kind of ask questions to. So the whole point of this activity is you going around and asking questions, and through your questioning, trying to determine basically who you are <laughs> and they say go and I'm going around and I'm asking questions and it's just funny how as I'm asking people questions like I'm getting irritated and if they're not giving I'm like you know what whatever bye and I'm just moving <laughs> on to the next person and blah 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 blah, blah. what no nope. all right let me go on to this person and just kind of bouncing around and at the end, I, I do not believe that I learned who I was. One of the other components about this activity, the, the individual, uh, shout out to Matt Pennies, uh, that was running the activity, he was a source where you can kind of stop and, and ask questions. And he's also, you know, he's walking around and he's listening to all these conversations. Um, I don't think once I, I really stopped to, to kind of seek help or anything <laughs> like that. Again, I'm just bouncing around and doing my thing. And so, you know, as, as a facilitator at the end, right, you debrief, right? You debrief the, the activity and now it's kind of the learning and the hot, the aha moments. And he very, he pointed out, I was kind of like a bull in a China shop, man. And there were, there was evidence and there was clues kind of around me. And if I would have just stopped and, and slowed down a little bit and asked some of the right questions, uh, I would have been able to easily find out again who I was. I think I was I don't know Batman or Rocky or something like that. Um, but it, I was moving so fast and, and again not making quick decisions and not taking time to necessarily analyze all of the information. Um, basically, I lost. Um, but it was just <laughs> like man, like that's me. And we talked about this in one of our previous conversations, when I first took that, I also realized that from a, a strategic conscientious perspective, like that was really low on that first, you know, disc assessment. And that's what prompted me to say, okay, like I gotta, I see this area of opportunity. I need to work on this, you know, so how do I improve upon my strategic thinking? Uh, and again, realizing this is chess, this is not checkers. Let me start learning how to play chess. And I started going through that, you know, those activities again to start thinking about how do I put my mind two, three, four steps ahead instead of just always on that first that first step and that first move. Um, so that was that was the first one. Uh, but over the years, man, by now, I've probably taken it at least at least three, if not four times. But to your point as well, as I left operations and started getting into learning and development and being a trainer and a facilitator that D started to lessen. I think as I grew from being a teacher, from being a parent, and I got more patient, the I started to to get a little bit higher. Uh, so right now I'm, I'm an ID and the other, the other ones leveled off a little bit uh, as well. Um, but it's just to your point, it's interesting to, to see and take a step back 
as you've taken it a couple of times and, you, and the years have passed, how the different engagements, the different roles that you play and the external factors, you know, how all of those things kind of play into how how those readings kind of change over time. But the one thing and you, you touched upon this, that two things that was helpful for me as you go through this, when you when you sit back and you really think about it, like, you know yourself. Right. So it's like, OK. Yeah, I, I, I would have kind of guessed that. But the cool thing is that it it provides a different language and a different vocabulary for you to be able to speak to those things a little bit more intelligently. And again, have have some specific words to use to describe that and to have conversations with other people about you and what your strengths are and, you know, your how your makeup is and and, and knowing what you can build off, what those areas of opportunities are. And then the second thing is it's not it's cool to know those things about you. But again, you, you can kind of figure those things out. Um, but it's knowing your team. And you mentioned communication. And I think that's the one thing that people tend to to forget. So as I mentioned, if I know that I am trying to communicate with somebody who is a high C, if I try to come at them with a proposal, uh, with a plan, and I'm not expressing details to them, then they're not going to see it. They're not going to want to see it. It's not going to make sense. Um, they're, you know, when you think about somebody who is a C, again, they want to see the data. Now, they may want to see it different ways. Maybe they need to see a spreadsheet. They need to see charts. They need to see graphs. Uh, it, however, it, it will fit that individual. They are going to need the details. So knowing those things about your team and your boss and just the people that you work with, again, it really helps to to help you to be more effective at communicating because now you're speaking in their language, which especially if you're talking about trying to influence somebody, the more I can speak in, in your language and, and speak to things the way that you want and the way that you need to hear it, the more effective I'm gonna be at delivering that message, hopefully influencing, uh, continuing to build teamwork and, and helping us move forward with whatever projects, initiatives, and the things that we're trying to accomplish. No, you're spot on, man. Like the, you know, I think when you hear people kind of talk about, you know, the the lifeblood of an organization and change and all that other stuff, you, you always hear this mantra around like communication and communication is key and uh, we got to improve how we communicate and refine our communication. And so there's a lot of lip service done to it, but there's not necessarily that work that needs to go mm -hmm. into improving how we communicate. And so to your point, this this is a, a really good tool to be able to use from a communication perspective to help ground you or anchor you into well, how do I need to communicate with these unique members of my team in order to get them completely bought in or um, understanding um, whatever the, the task at hand is. And so uh, what I also like about it, I know you touched on this just a little bit, right? The um, upper quadrant, right, being more like quick to act mm -hmm. and the bottom quadrant being a little bit more steadfast, right? So your D's and your I's are quick to take action. Your C's and your S's are more steadfast. They need more information before they can take action. Um, the other thing that I really like when I'm looking at breaking it down is kind of how that left quadrant, your D's and your C's are more results oriented mm -hmm. and your I's and your S's are more people oriented. Mm -hmm. And so uh, why, why that's important is because there is no, uh, there is no perfect disc profile for uh, a leader. Like, you know what I mean? It's not, you have to only be this in order to be an effective leader. Each one of these profiles actually plays an important part, um, you know, in the leadership of an organization, the leadership of a team. And when you understand where people fall, you can also be strategic about how you pair individuals up in order to uh, put the organization in the best position possible to, in order to be successful, right? So pairing up somebody like you, um, you know, a early, you know, early version of yourself, that high D off the charts, hey, I'm results oriented. You told me to figure out who I am. I'm going to go figure out who I am. And I don't got a lot of time to play or, or mess around because I'm trying to figure it out ASAP, right? And if you can't help me or you're getting in my way of that, uh, like, nah, move on, right? Um, pairing you up with somebody who is a little bit more uh, conscientious and is going to take the time to ask those questions and be observant, right? That's a, that's a really strong pairing, right? That's a really, really strong pairing. Um, the same with like uh, somebody who's conscientious and somebody who's steadfast, right? You, 
yeah, they're both um, steadfast in terms of their approach and their willingness to move, right? But where it's helpful is this, the conscientious individual being process-oriented or results-oriented can help address the questions around the process to clarify for the, the person who's steadfast how this impacts the people, mm-hmm. right? And once that person who's steadfast has a good understanding of what is what does this mean to the impact to the people, now we both have the information that we need so that we can move forward. And so, um, you know, I, I've tried to, even absent of a formalized uh, DISC assessment, to your point, there are certain attributes that you can just pick up from observing individuals that gives you an indication of kind of where they fall, not maybe not necessarily their full makeup of, you know, they're a DI or a DC or CD, right? But you can see where, like, kind of they default to just a little bit yeah. in their profile. Um, and then use that information in order to adjust your communication style accordingly. So kind of asking yourself, all right, from what I'm seeing, is this person more focused on the results or the people? Like in their language, in their questions, and what they're interested in, are they results focused or people focused? Right? Are they quick to act with minimal details or do they require a lot of details and are they steadfast? And a combination of those two questions can kind of give you some insights into, oh, this person, they tend to lean more conscientious. Um, let me make sure I'm thorough in my explanation and providing not just the what, but the how we even got here. Mm-hmm. Right? Or this person, like the Jimmy, Jimmy's a go-getter. He's trying to. Um, he's just trying to get results from me today. I don't need to bore him with a lot of the backstory. I just need to let him know what needs to occur, right? Um, and then stay out of his way so he can he can get it done. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I've always been uh, just a, a, a huge fan of, of DISC um, ever since I got introduced to it in um, team manager school. <laughs> Take mm-hmm. it back, <laughs> right? Uh, TM school, right? Um, ever since I got intru- introduced to it, and then. And just I've leveraged it so many times in my career, not just with people that report directly to me, but even stakeholders or, or partners that I've had to interact with. Because, again, if I'm going to be the most effective communicator, I have to understand how do I communicate on their terms. It's not necessarily about getting them to understand on my terms, right, but about how do I communicate on their terms so that my message gets across, is conveyed, it connects, um, and then I'm able to uh, you know, influence um, and ultimately get results. Yeah. One thing that I think is is cool about the disc and you mentioned this is like when I first took it, I guess, yeah, I don't know, if maybe just a different source that we were getting the information from. The the breakdown of of how that changes when kind of things are good as opposed to when you're under pressure. I didn't get that breakdown in those results kind of early on. But when I've taken it recently, probably about three years ago or so um, is when I was introduced to that other part of it. Uh, And it it is really telling to see, okay, kind of when things are good and everything is flowing, this is how I react in situations. These are the parts of my, my personality that come out, but under pressure, under duress, this is how I respond. Um, I just think it's important, you know, for, for us to, to recognize both of those sides of us and how we respond again when things are good and when things are not so good uh especially in in this day and age you know there's just been more days that are not so good right and it's all about your perspective how you take but there has definitely been a lot of external challenges and pressures uh that would cause you to to react maybe differently right than if things are are kind of going well and and hunky-dory as they say so um Definitely, uh, again, a good a good assessment to to be able to to dive into. And there's so many others out there. Um, you know, even my wife uh, within her role at the church, uh, they have like five different ones. Uh, I can't remember all of the different names, uh, but we will again, we'll provide some information to to our legacy leaders out there. Um, I think the more that you can do to find out about your strengths, to find out about your spiritual gifts, you know, to find out about your personality. And again, um, we can even talk about, you know, like the five love languages, um, which is more yeah. relational. Uh, but even with the five love languages, you know, it's it's important, not just about your your spouse or significant other, but about your children, about your coworkers. Like if you know what fills people up from that perspective and you talked about, you know, the, the people side of things and emotional intelligence and some of those 
those things that we've uh, talked about in the past. Um, it's just important to know how to communicate to people, how to to express love to people uh, in a way that, again, it's going to be right for them. It's easy to get caught up in this is how I communicate. This is how I prefer things, you know, so I'm going to I just start to give that to people. But that's that's not how it works. Right. So the golden rule is like treat others how you want to be treated. That is true. But how I really want to be treated is unique. How I really want to be treated is this is who Jimmy is. These are the things that I prefer that I like. I want you to communicate to love to respect me in those ways. So if that's how I want to be treated, I want to be able to give that back to people. So um, very helpful, yeah, again, to learn about yourself. But uh, I think, it, you know, the the real key and the, the you know, how powerful these tools are is learning those things about other people so that you can communicate and just have uh, stronger, deeper relationships, more effective relationships absolutely. with the people that are around you. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. I actually, I think the way I heard it uh, before was like the golden rule is treat others um, how you want to be treated, but the platinum rule is treat others how they want to be treated. Exactly. Uh, right. Um, and what I really love about these things that you know we're kind of breaking down and we're talking about, right, is it it all ties back into um, something that I know you're extremely passionate about, right, which is the servant leadership. Mm -hmm. Right. It really comes down to just meeting people on their terms as opposed to trying to dictate the terms people should meet you um and you know when you think about that that word servant uh you know in in its truest form right it is about catering or um providing um based off of uh, another person's needs and their desires and their wants from that perspective right um so uh kind of you know going back to uh, you being potentially Batman <laughs> in that activity, right? I think about, well, uh, how would Alfred communicate with Batman, right? Because he's not trying to trying to dictate to Batman how you need to engage or interact with me, right? He's serving uh, Batman and saying, okay, well, I need to, you know, um, communicate to Master Wayne this way. And I know that he prefers, you know, less details. And um, I know that he likes um, this type of, uh, you know, food and, this is when he eats it, and this is how he likes to be uh, loved or recognized, like kind of all of those things. Um, so it's good that you kind of called out like the spiritual gifts and the disc and Myers-Briggs and a com using a combination of these tools that already exist to understand those that you have to serve mm -hmm. so that you can serve them effectively and on their terms. Um, that's the way that you're going to be the most effective. And, yeah, understanding also, um, using it to also understand you. Um, I think, you know, again, being able to understand who you are um, as well allows you to um, avoid maybe some of your pit, your own pitfalls. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, just uh, be able to challenge yourself and, uh, you know, allow you to do some of the necessary work so that you can be the best servant leader that you can possibly be. Amen. Amen. So, you know, we you started off by telling that story. Uh, about your grandmother and and the importance of the soil and, and cultivating the soil uh, so that you can have fertile soils, so that you can have growth, right, as you're planting seeds and watering those seeds and looking to see that growth happen. As you're looking to be a leader worth following, it's it's important to, to you know, leader means that there's people following you, especially if we're talking about the work environment. You have a team that you are looking to be a good steward of and you're entrusted with. So how do I help this team to grow? How do I help them to learn about each other, about themselves? Uh, if I'm still trying to add pieces, knowing, you know, what my strengths are and then what the gaps are. If I have open spots, I don't want to get the same type of people that I already have. So having a much better assessment of your team, again, you know the strengths, but you know the gaps. So as I'm looking to add pieces, I want to add people, add people that have a little bit something different so that I'm, I'm building a well-rounded team. Um, as a leader worth following, you're, you're going to look to do those things. Uh, and again, you're going to look to, to meet people on their terms, as you mentioned. Um, so we talked about the strengths and knowing your strengths, working off of your strengths, knowing your people's strengths and how important that is 
to build morale to get higher production faster. Uh, talked about Myers-Briggs and DISC and how you can use those again to assess personality, to assess uh, characteristics of an individual, um, to help them know about themselves, to help each other be able to communicate better with one another. And then again, really taking a look at now that I have uh, I have a better assessment of of the soil and the makeup. Again, what do I need to continue to add to ensure that there's proper growth uh, along the way? So, um, so yeah, I hope that our folks got a lot out of that. Uh, and again, there's so many different ones, and you know, it's I think it is important to continue to to search for a, a few of the different types of assessments that are out there because you know they all kind of give you a little bit something different so as you continue to piece uh, that together it just paints a, a a much better picture and you know continue to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together so it's a little bit clearer for you as an individual and for your team so um and again we will look to provide some of that information uh we may have to entice you to get this this <laughs> info pack on all of these different assessments and, and the resources that are out there available uh so subscribe don't forget to subscribe uh, to to download our episodes. Really, three things, right? Is to subscribe, to download, uh, and then share. You know, share uh, the the podcast, share the YouTube channel uh, on all of your social media platforms, wherever you're you're listening to us. Uh, again, if you're watching, uh, don't just subscribe, but also click the bell so that you can get alerted. We want you to know when the episodes are going to be dropping, when the videos are going to be dropping. So go ahead and do that for yourself. That way, you don't have to have like, you know. Uh... That's like the Krispy Kreme hot sign. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, you hit that, like, hit that bell. That's that Krispy Kreme hot sign. Like, uh, uh, they fresh, fresh. <laughs> yeah, I know that. It's been a minute since I had Krispy Kreme, man. Bro, you don't even know. <laughs> really quick, in Tallahassee, going to college. If you've been to, to Tallahassee, there's all kinds of hills and late nights. We're driving up this hill that once you get to the top, you see the Krispy Kreme, and it's like, the anticipation is the hot sign going to be on when we get to the top. You get to that light, like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Krispy Kreme. I digress. It's, just, it's so good, man. It's like biting into like uh, pillows of heaven. Man. Yes. <laughs> so perfect. good. So good. I haven't had a Krispy Kreme donut so long. Um, so, again, I digress. Like, share continue to stick with us we appreciate you guys um as far as what's coming up you know as we talk about building a team so we talked about a high performing team uh, a team with high affinity what that means we just broke down to you some different assessments that you can go through for yourself and for your team to learn a little about about each individual uh, and what their strengths are but we also just talked about you know knowing the strengths but what are the gaps so as you're looking to add more people to your team you're looking for the right type of people to help fill those gaps and build a well-rounded team i think in the next episode what we're going to do too is what are some things i should start looking for maybe questions to ask and kind of what is that interviewing process and that selection process look like uh, as a leader to make sure that okay now that i know what the strengths are and i'm looking to fill some gaps how do i go about it you know tactically from from that perspective um so that's going to be on the horizon. Check out the next episode. We're going to be excited about that. Um, again, dropping some, uh, dropping the hotness uh, from myself, Jimmy Gonzalez, and my boy, Devon Watts, and the Legacy and Leadership Podcast. Again, as always, we appreciate you guys very much. Continue to um, be a legacy leader, right? Yes. Live as yes. a leader worth following teach develop others to do the same and in doing so leave a legacy uh, for future generations you have just listened to the legacy and leadership podcast hosted by jimmy gonzalez and devon watts thank you and we hope that you live lead and leave a legacy worth remembering until next time